Hi, this is Matt Trueblood. Welcome to the first episode of a podcast project. I am not going to try to title yet, because uh, first I want to see if it goes anywhere at all. I'm recording this via Anchor, an app on my iPhone that allows me to record and distribute the podcast. Did this with a similar platform about a year ago. The episodes were sporadic. They didn't capture a whole lot of a following. And I felt like uh, maybe they, they missed the mark of what people were looking for. But I'm getting into my busy season as a writer. I write for Baseball Prospectus. I write a subscription email newsletter about baseball called Penning Bowl. Uh, you can find out more about both of those things, by the way, at M.A. Trueblood on Twitter. But I also am working hard right now on player comments for the Baseball Prospectus Annual, the book that comes out each February. Uh, the behind-the-scenes work, the research and the writing of those player capsules is really happening right now. And that, in conjunction with the playoff coverage I'm doing for Prospectus, makes this a busy time for me as a baseball writer, uh, which is not my primary job. Uh, but nonetheless, it leaves me with some ideas that I don't have time to flesh out into articles, um, but still want to put out there and generate some discussion around. And uh, so I'm going to try using this as an outlet for those. We'll see where it goes. For now, I'm going to also try a little bit of a focus on the Chicago Cubs. I grew up a Cubs fan uh, just because of the way I kind of introduced myself to the internet and the first places that I wrote. Um, I think people, a, a decent portion of the audience that might find these podcasts early on are going to be Cubs fans. So I'm going to hang there for a bit. I'm definitely going to also talk about league-wide issues. And I don't know the direction of this project, if it continues at all. But just to give you an idea, that's where we're starting. And it's an interesting day to be starting that. Today is Thursday, October 4th. The two wildcard games are wrapped up and we're waiting for the start of the League Division Series. And those will kick off for the first time since 2014 without the Cubs being involved. They were knocked out after losing Monday in the NL Central tiebreaker and Tuesday against the Rockies in the NL wildcard game. In both of those games and in a contest over the weekend that they had a very good chance to win, the Cubs' offense failed them miserably. Uh, and so they're left with a lot of questions after having expected to shake off the World Series hangover they suffered last year and come into this season dominating the way they did in 2016. Again, instead, they face a lot of questions this winter, and Theo Epstein held, held court for a long time yesterday with Chicago reporters. Uh, basically admitting to the fact that he's not sure what that direction will look like, that big changes are likely ahead for a team that is sort of in upheaval in multiple ways and yet, interestingly, are locked into a lot of things as well. Uh, we should start by noting this, because Epstein talked about how the offense fell apart in the second half. The fun facts are all out there. If you count the wildcard game, the Cubs 
were held to one or fewer runs 40 times this season, which is as many as the Baltimore Orioles and more than any other team in the league. Most of that futility did come packed into the second half, and Epstein talked about the way many of their hitters just sort of fell apart down the stretch. That did relate to the brutal schedule that they had to play over the final six weeks. That's just bad luck, and they've had a fair share of bad luck over the last two seasons. If you go back even to 2017 and the way that weather influenced and ultimately derailed their transition from the National League Division Series to the NLCS, um, things just kind of keep nipping at the Cubs and making their season into more of a grind than the previous couple of years had been um, and more than the teams that they're competing with uh, have had to deal with, especially late in the campaign. That's not an excuse, though, and Epstein didn't use it as one. Uh, He did talk about that changes would come likely to the personnel on the field. He was not ready to talk about any potential coaching changes. A lot of Cubs fans were uneasy at first with the hire of Chili Davis and very frustrated by it by the end of the season. Davis being the Cubs head hitting coach, uh, working with assistant hitting coach Andy Haynes. Epstein was careful not to lay the blame at the feet of Joe Madden, who will be back next year. But what's really interesting is that he talked about exit interviews with players and their frustration uh, at the way that the lineup fluctuated from day to day. And they're not wrong. In fact, this is something, this is a fun fact of my own uh, generation, I guess. But I have dug up that the Cubs had 10 players this season reach 450 plate appearances. 10 of them, and that's not only as many as any team has ever had, tied with the 1985 Angels, but two more than any National League team had ever before had. Essentially, the 2018 Cubs lineups were more inconsistent from day to day than any previous team because they were parceling out significant playing time to a huge number of players. Included on that list of 10 are Albert Almora and Jason Hayward, Kyle Schwarber and Ben Zobrist, Ian Happ, Wilson Contreras, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Edison Russell, and Chris Bryant. But excluded from it were backup catcher Victor Caratini, second baseman Daniel Murphy, and utility guy David Bodie, all of whom came on and had a greater influence late in the season than their total plate appearances suggest as well. So this was really a team juggling and looking every day for the best matchups and making a lot of trade-offs from day to day. That can't be placed on Madden because it wasn't wholly voluntary. Uh, A lot of those players either went through deep slumps and significant struggles, uh, or in Russell's case, had off-field issues that interfered with his performance at certain points, we're sure, and then ended his season early, uh, and justifiably, correctly so. Uh, Russell is one problem that will likely be solved for Madden by next season as the Cubs 
will probably move on without him. Uh, he's suspended through roughly the end of April next season anyway, relating to his domestic violence uh, allegations by his ex-wife. But uh, even failing that, for reasons mental and physical, having to do with a number of nagging injuries, Russell became almost unplayable by the end of the year. Still, there were guys who Madden was forced to rely on at times who simply couldn't hit. Wilson Contreras uh, buckled under the heaviest catcher workload in the league throughout the first four months of the season and was dreadful at the plate over the final two. Uh, Injuries sapped the effectiveness and occasionally dragged off the field guys like Kyle Schwarber, Jason Hayward, Anthony Rizzo. Obviously, Chris Bryant was not himself for the vast majority of the season, even though he did play enough to be one of those guys who essentially uh, got what we would call regular playing time under other circumstances. Going into next year, there are some of these things that they'll be able to to solve, you know, perhaps not in a positive way, but in a decisive way, just because of the natural unfolding of things. Uh, It's very likely that despite the great season he had, Ben Zobrist's playing time will be slightly downshifted. Uh, That's the pattern that the team has followed as they try to keep him effective and healthy while he's on this contract that expires after the end of next season even as he moves well into his late 30s. With Zobrist playing slightly less, or certainly not playing more than he did this season, and with Russell likely to be out of the picture, there are already some places opening up. But I think what the Cubs were hoping would happen with all of these moving parts was that someone would take hold of a position and and assert themselves as an everyday player. Javier Baez came into the season maybe not quite that and certainly he did make himself not only an everyday guy but the everyday shortstop of the 2019 Chicago Cubs but other guys failed to make the same sorts of claims Kyle Schwarber's offseason conditioning program did work on a certain level but didn't turn him into a gold glover in left field and offensively There were flashes, but never consistent success in the way that the Cubs had hoped. He puts together good at-bats, but tends to miss his pitch when he gets it. And the same can be said for Ian Happ. Uh, Albert Almora, whether under the hand of Davis or for some other reason, saw all of the power that he had demonstrated over his first two partial seasons in the majors absolutely evaporate this year. And without it... His value is limited, even as he has demonstrated pretty clearly that he can be a well-above-average defensive center fielder. Epstein didn't speculate on any sort of free agent expenditures, of course. It's way too early for that. He didn't mention that the Cubs just spent a lot of money last winter and that going out and spending a lot more might not be the solution to all their problems. He's not wrong about that, uh, but there will still be clamoring and cubdom for the team to 
be the top bidder on Bryce Harper. I have been resistant to that notion for longer than just about anyone else in this sphere. But I have to admit that they're close to needing something like that. Even if you don't necessarily believe that Harper is the mega star that he's been at his best during certain stretches of the last few seasons and throughout the 2015 season. The Cubs need an injection of power. They need someone who consistently gets on base even when they're struggling. Uh, They may need to make the trade-offs necessary to acquire someone like Harper. And it may seem like there's no one like Harper, but that's that's less true than it was a couple of years ago as Harper has had good but human seasons heading into his mid-20s. What'll be interesting is to see who the Cubs do think they can afford to bet on going into next year. Happ and Schwarber have really inspired no confidence in that regard. Jason Hayward asserted himself early this year, faded as the middle of the season came, battled some injuries. He is a tentpole of that clubhouse. He is a good defensive outfielder, even in center, especially in right. He's good enough at getting on base to make those other things more than enough to keep him around. The people who mentioned things like finding a taker for Hayward, dumping his salary somewhere, uh, that is nonsense. Jason Hayward will be a fixture on the 2019 Cubs in whatever capacity. So if you figure you can pencil in Rizzo, Baez, Hayward, and Wilson Contreras, of whom even as he struggled mightily down the stretch, Epstein was complimentary. It sounded like no blame is really being laid at Contreras' feet for the offensive struggles he encountered. It's something they want to help him through rather than even consider moving on from him. Um, The team really respects who he is and how he competes, the work he's put in to become a better defensive catcher even as his offense went off the rails. That's a decent start of four guys in your lineup. And you figure that if Chris Bryant is healthy, he's going to be penciled in every day. And Zobrist is a semi-regular. They don't have a particular or compelling reason to move on from Almora. So he can fill in whatever portion of a regular workload Zobrist or Hayward might not. There's still a couple of holes there's still a, a good reason to suspect that the Cubs will seek more reliability, more consistency. And it's not just in the name of not shuffling the lineup card. I don't think Epstein or Madden or the players themselves would have worried much about all that shuffling if it had worked. But in the sense that it had never been done before, it was an experiment even if one sort of forced upon them by the mixture of injuries and failure that they encountered along the way. I think they'll try to go to a little more traditional of a set next year. 
I think they'll look for a star caliber hitter to add to that lineup. And it does make some sense that that would be a free agent, someone like Harper, someone that the team can acquire without sacrificing a significant amount of the prospect depth that they finally amassed a bit more of this year. After two, or you could even argue three straight seasons during which the Cubs farm system got weaker, it inarguably got stronger this year. That's one of the positives, along with, of course, a 95-win season. The offense is a very interesting picture and a tough one to paint without adding someone like a Harper into it for 2019. The pitching side is quite different in that they intentionally locked themselves into a whole lot of guys going into last year, going into this year, but locked themselves into them beyond this year. Steve Ciszek and Brandon Morrow both signed two-year deals. Uh, Tyler Chatwood, of course, is on a now disastrous three-year deal. And Yu Darvish is going to be around for the foreseeable future. You add that to John Lester, who's not going anywhere, and Kyle Hendricks. Both of them recovered and pitched well down the stretch for a team that desperately needed them to. Those guys and Jose Quintana are all locks to be on next year's team. And those three in particular are locks to be in next year's rotation. So is Darvish if he's healthy. You feel like this team does need better depth, more reliable depth, more durability, and guys who can miss bats more often. But it's not clear where that's going to come from. They spent a lot of money. They're locked into a lot of money. The money that they need to spend this winter probably will need to go to whoever that free agent offensive addition is. And it leaves you wondering, can they go into next season with Moro, Pedro Strope, and Carl Edwards as the triumvirate at the back of their bullpen again? Edwards certainly provided no reason to feel confident about that. Uh, he looks at this point like a frustratingly inconsistent middle reliever who will never move beyond that. Uh, Strope is another guy like Hayward where almost no matter what his contract situation was, the team would find a way to bring him back. As it is, it's very easy to bring him back. He'll be there. Morrow will be there, and the Cubs expect him to be healthy at the start of next season, just like Darvish. But Epstein stopped short of identifying him as next year's closer. What is interesting is, if he isn't, who is? There's no one in-house that has any chance, any meaningful chance at all, of emerging and filling that kind of role. So unless the Cubs intend to go out and sign a closer caliber free agent reliever, and some of those will be available, but they won't come cheaply. And they'd certainly make for interesting moves in the context of the team trying to also plug a big hole on offense. Failing that, you're probably going into next season with a bullpen that looks a lot like the one that they had this year, only a year older, a year more exposed in terms of their weaknesses and their vulnerabilities, and uh, not much flexibility to make additions as you go along. Now, again, the Cubs are going to soar past the, the luxury tax next season. 
I can't foresee how they could avoid doing so. Uh, but if they are unwilling to just spend whatever it takes, if, if money is still some limiting factor at some threshold, then the team has some creative decisions to make. It probably will involve trading one of Hap or Schwarber, probably in addition to Russell. I don't think they need to release him. I think as he works through this winter, and especially if he can demonstrate at some point, demonstrate remorse at least for what he caused his his partner to feel, even as he insists on his innocence in that matter, which I know most of us do not believe. Um, but if he's dead set on uh, proclaiming his innocence, he can at least demonstrate an understanding of where she's coming from, and he can at least demonstrate a better effort to mature, reach out to other people, and uh, eliminate the isolation that has made his maturation so difficult. He's just not a guy who's ever fit in especially well with one of the easiest clubhouses in baseball history with which to fit in. And that part of it, while not without its roots in, in who he is and where he comes from, uh, is on him. He needs to make those kinds of changes just as a person, just before anyone will feel good about bringing him back into Major League Baseball. He needs to adapt in ways that he has so far been unable to. At any rate, the Cubs are likely to trade Russell. They'll probably trade either Schwarber or Hap. I think they'll, I, I expect that they'll retain Almora, but that remains to be seen, I suppose. They're going to have to trade some of those guys and probably uh, maybe lump a Mike Montgomery into that mix and try to make a relatively low-cost addition to the back of the bullpen by doing those things. Um, could Schwarber or Schwarber Plus invite a pitcher of roughly the same caliber as Wade Davis, uh, whom the Cubs got for Jorge Soler before the 2017 season, even if that guy was on an expiring deal as Davis was at the time. I think that kind of thing is possible. But it's going to be very interesting because it's a, it's a Rubik's Cube. They don't have just a couple of clear and easy holes to fill. That's what the Solaire for Davis swap was. They were coming off a World Series championship. They knew they were pretty well set, pretty much across the diamond. They made a simple one-for-one -one deal because they had a simple, clear, and limited need and plenty of resources with which to fill it. Uh, none of those things are true right now. So as they go into the offseason, there are a lot of different directions things could go, but it's very uneasy even for that front office as they admit to the fact that they just don't know who they can trust to be a productive part of next year's core and from whom they might need to move on. That's all for today. I don't know how often I'll be doing these or if I'll be doing them at all or if any of you will hear this. But if you do and you have any feedback to offer, please get at me on Twitter at MATrueBlood uh, or through any other channels that you can find. Thanks.